Okay. Welcome to Window Gazing, the podcast where two TikTokers try to stay on the same topic for a period of time. Today, we are recording our first bonus episode for Patreon. I'm so excited. And um, if you want to support us on Patreon, it is linked in the show notes. It's also in my link in bio, both of our links in bio on TikTok. Um, And we are talking about the Barbie movie today. Um, (laughs) I had to encourage you to watch it. So... First of all, well, no, I wanted to see it immediately. <laughs> I wanted to see it. I just, uh, I mean, for, first of all, I, I wanted to see it with the whole family, which doing it in my case, because my kids are in all these extracurriculars and uh, it's actually legitimately hard to find a time when we can all get out and do that. Um, but it, it happened to be that my wife had a job interview and she just needed the house empty. So I was like, I'll take the kids and we'll, we'll go see Barbie. And, uh, I don't know. I, I I I don't know if you're expecting a contentious podcast today, but we loved it. I loved it. I thought it was great. You know, uh, it was just really fun. It blew blew past like it was really great. Anyways, we can get it all into that. But yeah, no, it was it was uh, it's been a great summer of movies. Like I really enjoyed Oppenheimer and and uh, I really enjoyed Barbie. And uh, so so far, I'm 100 percent at the movie theater. I don't know why those two movies got put up against each other because, Uh, and maybe it's just like uh, our two parties in the U S like fluffy liberalism (laughs) and uh, bootstraps, capitalism, uh, Republicanism. I don't know. Uh, Oppenheimer was was trying to think. Well, I was trying to think of pretentious links I could draw between the two movies and the best, the closest I got was like, it just reflects our current obsession with the 20th century. Like we can't seem to escape the 20th century. Like we're obsessed. Mm, so we need so to constantly revisit these themes. Right. And like we Barbie is like, that we're in the 21st century. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And it's like, it's like, and when we say 20, 20, 20th century, it's like basically the fifties, right? Like the lodestone of American culture is the 1950s. And as much as like, obviously Oppenheimer is about, the development of the you know the bomb through the world war ii it's also about the nuclear age and barbie is very much a symbol of the nuclear age as well right so uh so there there is like there is definitely a link there but but i didn't want to get too pretentious about it oh that is such an interesting reflection that both of those movies are a reflection of the same time period and 70 years on we are still talking about and making movies about ancient history yeah well, it's funny, like, it's kind of an interesting contrast, like, I don't want to derail the movie stuff to get it. But it's like, if you think about it, uh, you know, Barbie, as much as obviously there's there's and the movie obviously explores like her role in terms of like projecting the modern persona of womanhood and and, um, you know, what that meant as sort of a precursor to women's liberation in the 1960s and that, that all those themes are in that movie. Uh, but it also like people look at the fifties as this kind of halcyon comfortable age where we all sort of, you know, everything was homogenized and we all had nuclear families and everything was great. But like it, this was all, and Barbie too, this was all happening at the backdrop of like, you know, the threat of hor- horrific and lasting nuclear war, you know? So uh, it's just kind of interesting, interesting contrast between themes. So that's as much as I'll say about Barbenheimer for, for this podcast. Barbenheimer. I I thought the movie was awesome. I really went for the glitter and for the aesthetic of it because I am 
a graphic designer. I am very aesthetically sensitive. I thought the color palette was going to be so much fun. I wore glitter. I went with my uh, friends who also all wore pink. We went to OMSI, which is the um, art or the uh, museum here, not art museum. And they had an IMAX. So we saw it in IMAX. Looking back, I would have liked to see it in a smaller theater because we were in such a towering, um, <laughs> overwhelming space that I felt like the comedy didn't flow as well. Like I was the only one laughing out loud. I felt like I'm probably driving people crazy around me because I'm just like projecting laughter. Uh, I am not a very like, like out at like, uh, I don't know how to say it, but like, I'm not loud. I'm not, um, you're not gregarious in a movie. Theater. Gregarious, right. Yeah. I'm gregarious in personality, but like, I have a, a very restricted, um, muted sense of doing that. And I think it just is like tr literally society's training, but I feel like I can do that in that kind of forum. And so I was just like, they started out with, um, homage to 2001 a space odyssey yeah like oh my god this is amazing like 75 percent of the people in the theater have no idea what they're talking about right now and they did it for like the love of film and like people who love film i really love films and i was like this is amazing um the little girls with the baby dolls like smashing them and like oh i love this um so i, no, I was immediately on board after that i was immediately on board just from, from like this is gonna scene. be great like, all right yeah, it's like Greta Gerwig, definitely a, a good a good director. So I, I knew we were in good hands. For, and I it's funny you mentioned the laughing thing because it was like me and one other guy. And I felt like we were supporting each other because we were like the only two people in the theater, like guffawing, you know, out loud yes. at various various parts. So yeah, no, it was, it was really great. The, the interesting thing, you mentioned the, the color scheme. Now, I don't know if this is true, but my son swears up and down that he saw that apparently... Uh, there was a global shortage of pink paint because of the amount that they required to uh, uh, paint the sets for for the movie. I don't know if that's true, but this is my son says this 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 is something that actually happened. So let's segue very nicely into talking about the set. Um, the set was. I loved that it was so fake, and I yes. was watching. I was watching them in the making of the movie and they were like, none of this was CGI. This was all like paper and plastic and like machines moving it. They showed the side of it and they were like, it was so gratifying to spend all day shooting those and then to watch them all put together. And there were so many parts of that film where I was just like, wow, this is like, feels like a masterpiece. Like it's very fun. Like the fake water and the um just everything um so i loved the sound stage like the the set i'm like wow you can really turn a sound stage into another world i want to see more movies like this um, yeah it was very like uh it had a very community theater kind of feel to it which yes! is nice and inviting yes um that's the, i mean it's funny you mentioned the sets because i was shocked shocked to find out the sticker price for the for the movie production and what i know that it has it was $140 million. $140 yeah, to be on a soundstage. Yeah. And, and that blew my mind. Because I'm thinking like, when I said, you know, this is, the, I'm, I'm old. So when I think of a movie with that kind of price tag, I'm thinking like a, a debacle, like Waterworld or something, or like Titanic, where it's like, it involves like crazy out to sea underwater sets. But no, it's just like a soundstage that kind of looks like, 
you know, kind of had a Captain Kangaroo feel to it. Uh, very, yeah. very sort of, you know, 1980s uh, kids show, uh, which is great. Totally perfect for the aesthetic. But I was just, I was like, what the hell did they spend that money on? Like, I, I know it's like packed to the brim with, with A-list actors, but still it's <laughs> so shocking. But yeah. So yeah, the, I mean, like everything in that movie was so zipped up. Like, I don't know if you caught that, they had to have they had to probably shoot the the starting scenes in order for Lizzo to make the songs that she made like mm. they were perfectly timed with the way that the film was cut and I don't know if you can make a song and then cut a film to it perfectly like that so I just was like god everything is so like fine-tuned and really has to be because you're not in a natural environment I will say there is a a scene and I imagine it was all shot in the same day towards the end where uh spoilers everybody um Will Ferrell's character is in Barbie land and they're sort of at the end where Ken is having his nervous breakdown um there is just dust flying around in those scenes and I it's driving me crazy and I've seen it twice. And the second time I saw it, I felt like there was less dust. So I don't know if they've like gone back and tried to fix it. But I was like, this is insane. Like, they can't fix this. I know they saw yeah. it. They can't <laughs> digitally take the dust out. It's just flying around. And it's, you know, I guess they must have, you know, had to do something that was really dusty. I don't know what it was, Did, was but it was. You said you saw it twice. Did you see it in IMAX both times? No, the second time okay. I saw it in a regular theater. So it may just be that because uh, they might have filmed used a different film for IMAX. So you might just be literally seeing the uh, widescreen uh, film, right? Because uh, they often do that, right? They'll use separate cameras for, for IMAX. And I don't know if that's the case, but I'm just offering a yeah, potential I suggestion. I saw the dust the second time. I feel like I saw it less, but it was just insane to see like a mistake like that. I don't know. Yeah. But it could just be something that they couldn't control and maybe they had to get it done that day. I don't know. But I was like, what's going on with this dust? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because like, you know, it didn't, uh, I don't know. It kind of had a flavor of like uh, when they used to make really short, um, like it had a sort of a 90s like zany comedy feel to it. So I was just, again, I the, stick, the sticker price on the film kind of blew me <laughs> away when I heard it. Uh, I don't want to harp on it too much, but um but yeah, yeah I mean, the, it was reminiscent of that period of time in the late 90s where everything was like rainbow um <clears throat> reminds me a little bit of the movie um uh, mars attacks a little mm. bit of the movie um never been kissed if you go back and watch it you're like geez everything's like so colorful in this movie um yeah little bit like that but I would say the overall inspiration was an 80s feel and you can feel that particularly in Ken's scene when he's doing his dance routine with all the guys in the black I was the second time I saw it I was like oh this is 80s inspired and then I went back and listened to the soundtrack I was like oh all these songs are 80s okay interesting yeah that, that suddenly got all Bob Fosse in that scene I thought it was great I thought the music was really good it was funny because mm -hmm. my son my son was like, this isn't a musical, is it? I was like, no, it's not a musical. And I had no idea. I was like, maybe there's a song or two in there. But it was so, to me, that's like the perfect way to sort of slip. First of all, you, so you mentioned, uh, and I don't want to get pretentious here, but you know, the, the sort of, what do they call it? Like, I guess they call it diegetic, whenever the sound and the film sort of 
you know, this, oh, that's this cool. Sound... I had no, I yeah. no idea what that's called. Anyway, I, I took a first year film class like 23 years ago or something. I remember this, this term, but anyway, this whole idea of the music interacting with the scene and, and it being, and it being integral to like propelling the plot forward. And I just thought that was really good. And, and um, that whole, that whole choreographed uh, fight scene where they're, you know, my, my kids notice in the background because they're, they're fighting in the foreground, but in the background, they're just doing, they're just dancing. <laughs> that was really, was really great and camp and, and sort of had, yeah, it's like very Bob Fosse and also, you know, reminiscent of like Batman. It's like, it's like sort of a mishmash of various cultural influences, but I thought that was great. Um, did you feel, did you feel like that fight scene was homoerotic? Uh, yeah, I think it was intentionally camp and, and, and definitely like, uh, yeah, had a bit of like the, um, making fun of male testosterone in a sort of like homoerotic way. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. And also like the whole idea that they're not, they don't even really know why they're fighting each other or who's fighting who. And then the confusion there was really great. Um, so I, I haven't, so I'll be honest with you. I have not paid any attention uh, to any of the controversy around this movie at all. Like, I don't even know. I'm sure people don't like it for various reasons. I know Ben uh, uh, Shapiro, is that Shapiro. The, uh, yeah, um, uh, was going off on it and all these other people, but really I have like kept it out of the radar. I assume it's because it says negative things about the patriarchy or probably even using the term patriarchy in a in a mainstream hollywood movie is like a big no-no for some conservatives but yeah i just didn't uh you know i i could see why like um there are various points in the movie where it's really clearly like uh, uh you know um undercutting uh the sort of assumed male dominance in the world but i didn't you know nothing none of, none of it made me feel uncomfortable maybe that's actually a condemnation maybe i should have been been made to feel even more uncomfortable by the movie um 